Amen. That doesn't mean, you know, the pastor was talking this morning. God's going to let us go through some stuff sometimes. Amen. Sometimes, most of the time when he does that, it's for our good. Amen. I want him to purify me. I don't know about you. I want to make sure. I want God to make sure that there's everything that needs to come out of me comes out of me. That everything that needs to get into me gets into me. Amen. Amen. And, uh, amen. I just, I want the Lord to be in charge. Amen. Amen. Long time ago, I used to pray, pray like this, like, God, I'm going into my day now, so come on, go with me. And then one day I kind of woke up and I went, wait a minute, this is his day. Maybe I should be asking him if he could take me along in his day. Amen. And so we need to do that. Amen. God is in control. He's in charge. Whether this world wants to acknowledge it or admit it or not, the people that are in offices like the president or the king or whatever, they're there because God put them there. God allowed Pharaoh to be in in that place when Moses came along for a purpose and for a reason. God set that man up. And God will take one up, the Bible says, and put take another one down. Amen. And so we're just moving along in his will. And so I want to get this old guy out of the way and get in his plan. Amen. And he's going to have his way. Praise God. Amen. I'm so privileged, amen, to be here in front of you today. I thank God for the opportunity. Amen. And I just pray that something that I say, something that this lesson brings out as we finish this up today, will minister to your spirit, minister to your life, and maybe give you something, some food to think about and to chew on, and some things that will help you in your walk. And in this, as Brother Putnam says, as we all fellow strugglers, amen, as we all struggle together get to get to that place, amen, amen. And so we're going to read this morning, uh, we're going to read Matthew 6, 19 through 34, all of it, and then we're going to kind of focus on that last lesson today, amen. And so we're going to start in verse 19, it says, and if you can read along if you like, you can read out loud along with me if you like. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." The light of the body is in the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. But if no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body, for what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father need feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which, and which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Nor do you want to either, right? <laughs> I don't want to add any more cubits. 
I got enough. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Say unto thee, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And you can be seated this morning in Jesus' name. And so this month of February, we've been talking about seeking first the kingdom. Amen. And, and that these, these scriptures aren't just in there for fun and, and they're just not, not just in there so we've got something to read. But there's a purpose and a reason behind all of this. And I was kind of looking back and kind of doing a little bit of a research and a history on, on why this scripture is there. And you, if you go back in the book of Matthew, it, it begins kind of back, really it all begins when Jesus is born, but Jesus, uh, in my mind, he comes, he comes out of, the, of the, his father's workshop for the very last time and locks the door. And he goes and finds John. And he, he finds John out in the water baptizing people. And he walks out into the, wherever John was and, he's, and he says, John, I'm here for you to baptize me. And so John baptizes him. And so then immediately after that, I believe he goes into a, a place where he is tempted of the devil. And so God is taking, he's taking these steps and preparing. He's starting the process of his ministry. So he comes out of the wilderness, out of that time of temptation. And all of these things are for examples. You know, to me, he's, He's going through that to tell us, we're going to go through that. The devil's going to tempt us. The devil's going to, but he's proving to us that we can overcome that. We can resist the devil. Because he resisted the devil. And then shortly thereafter, he comes out and he ministers to some people. And he, he heals some people. And then the multitudes start following him. And then he goes and calls four guys away from their nets. And, and he starts, so he starts the process of calling his disciples. Right. And so he he calls his disciples. And so he through the process of time, these multitudes are following. But his really his focus and really the audience of these these Beatitudes, this Sermon on the Mount is directed at his disciples. The other people that are listening, they're, they're getting the benefit of hearing it. But really, he's focused on that group of people because he is he knows already that his days are numbered. And so he's got to get these guys ready. He's got to start the process of training. And so he is focused on them. And that's uh, many of the writers and the, and the different uh, commentaries and things that I looked at said that his primary audience was the disciples. And so he is focused on these guys. And, and so it seems like if you read through, you know, 
Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's almost like he's repeating a lot of stuff. Like he's, in, just in this, he's repeated a lot of stuff. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about all these things. And so we, all this month, we've talked about these four things. Letter A, we've talked about what we really treasure, heavenly or earthly things, right? And and the point of of this lesson, hopefully in my mind, is not just to to teach a lesson, but to get you to think about in your own life, what am I treasuring with that lesson? What's important to me? And letter B, the need for his light to be the brightest thing shining in our lives. Amen. And, And that was for me that that, you know, I had to, even for myself, I had to, I have to, I have to ask myself, I have to remind myself, I have to go, uh, you know, I, I go to work and I, and I have to focus on the technical part of my job, but I'm really there to be a light. And so I, I have to, as I'm pushing my cart down those hallways, I'm praying, God, let my light shine. No matter who it is, no matter if it's the people I work with or people I'm working for, those customers or those veterans walking down those hallways. Let my light shine. Let them see Jesus. I want them to see you, Lord, not me. And so it's important that we understand and apply this. What what kind of light am I shining? Is is my light darkness or is it light? We gotta we gotta know that for ourselves. So and then letter C was realizing that our lives are in his hands. And that's kind of why I read through all of that this morning instead of just focusing on the last couple of scriptures because I wanted to kind of go back as we bring this thing to a close and remind everybody that, and this is just a small part of of the Sermon on the Mount, but I, I felt like the Lord was wanting me to focus on this because I feel like he's wanting to focus on us, kind of get us to kind of step back and say, okay, where am I? Where, where am I focusing? Because, you see, we live in this world. We live this life every day. We have concerns. We have bills to pay and responsibilities and employers and jobs and all these things. And it's very easy to, to let your focus kind of drift off of where it really belongs. Amen. And it's not that those things are not important. They are important. Believe me. Don't pay your bills. <laughs> They have these things called collection agencies that will come look for you. And they'll be nice at first, but if you don't pay, they're going to start coming after your check. And so God expects us to be responsible in those and be good stewards of the finances he's blessed us with. But we can't let ourselves get off track and kind of get off focus. And, and, and the enemy will use that. Amen. Because if, if we're not focused on the kingdom, he'll kind of let us just keep going. Right? Because then we're not a threat to him. And that's one of the reasons we're here, right? Is to be a threat to him. Amen? The last thing he wants to do, he's read that story several times about about the enemy and, and what his tactics are. Keeping us busy about other stuff. And so we're not focused on being busy about the kingdom. And so today we're going to talk about making the growth and furtherance of his kingdom our number one priority. And that's really what Jesus was trying to get at with his disciples, wasn't it? And 
you have to understand you're you're dragging these guys away from their their livelihood. He, well, he didn't drag them away. They came willingly, but they're leaving their livelihood, something they've done their whole life, and suddenly going into something totally different. Amen. And so we're going to talk about that today. Making the growth and furtherance of his kingdom our number one priority. Amen. Because trust me, if you put the kingdom of God first, he'll put all your stuff first. I guarantee it. He will put your stuff first if you'll put his stuff first. Amen. How many believe that? I believe that. He'll take care of you in ways you never even thought possible. Amen. Little stuff. Just just little things you don't even think about. So we read that in Matthew 6, 31 through 34. It says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth, he knows that you have need of all these things. He knows. He's your creator. He's your father. What father is not going to feed his child or clothe his child? What natural father is not going to provide the things that their family needs? And he's our heavenly father. How much more so? Amen. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And it goes on in verse 34 to say, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Tomorrow will get here soon enough. And it won't be tomorrow anymore, will it? It'll be today. And it's got its own set of problems. Let's focus on today because really no man is promised tomorrow. We're only promised today. So far, amen. As I heard one song or somebody said, safe thus far, right? Amen. I mean, we could walk out the door, God forbid, get hit by a bus or something. But, you know, God's, he's in control of all that. You know, I'm just going to walk and live my life and, and, and trust God and walk with him and let him lead me. Amen. And just believe that he is not done with me yet. Amen. I want to believe that, don't you? He's not finished with me. So in order to seek the kingdom, it's important to understand the kingdom or understand the thing that you're supposed to be seeking. And so it's just like um, anything. If you seek after anything, it's important that you understand it. Like, for example, buying a car or buying a house or, or buying any large ticket item. You don't want to just run out and buy the first thing, right? And we've got this thing called the Internet. We've got this thing called Google. And so the way I do it is I I research. Like when we bought appliances for our home in Louisville before we moved up here, I researched appliances. And I, I went and read all of the articles. And I researched and I educated myself on what was the best brand name to buy. Amen? And And when you buy a car... You don't want to just run out and buy the first car. You might, If you're buying a used car, you might want to take it to a mechanic and have them check it out and make sure the transmission's working and make sure that everything is working. 
Amen. And so it's un- important to understand the thing you're seeking. And so we need to understand the kingdom. And as I've already said, Jesus' primary audience throughout the entire Sermon on the Mount was really his disciples and really by extension us. Okay, and so he was trying to prepare them to take to take the church as the church is born and to take it to the next level. So I believe that he was breaking it all down for them. How many remember reading the Bible and there's places in there where he's talking and he's telling a story and and those disciples look at each other and they go, what did he just say? Do you know what, what did he just say? And he knows their thoughts, of course. And he says, oh, come here, guys. Let me explain this parable to you. Right? And so he knows that they're not going to get all this stuff at first. And he's, he's throwing a lot at them. I mean, have you ever been on a new job where they're, just throwing everything at you. Okay, we're gonna give. We're gonna show you all the. They did this to me. We're gonna show you all the phone rooms and all the buildings. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna remember all this after today. <laughs> but when will I remember it? Because eventually I'm gonna have to go to every one of those rooms at some point or another. And that is how I'll remember by doing it. And so he was laying the foundation. He was building a foundation, preparing them for ministry. And what it, in really, in what essence, what he was doing was breaking down some old habits of theirs. Not that they were bad habits. He was trying to break them free of the thinking of a fisherman, the thinking of a tax collector, the thinking that they were bringing into their ministry, so to speak, as as being the disciples, the twelve that were going to take the church to the next level. And one writer in in a book that I've been reading, he says, Have you noticed that the older you become, the more difficult it is to initiate lasting change? How many believe that's true? It is. He says, Know why? Because the longer you have been alive, the longer that you have been developing a way of doing something, a regular response to stimuli, or what we call a habit. Amen? And it's, yeah, how many have ever heard the saying, old habits are hard to break? But if you notice, if you kind of slow down when you, when you say that, old habits are hard to break. doesn't say they're impossible to break. So old habits can be broken. How? How do we do that? Change can be, the this, this same author says, change can be thought of as breaking of a habit by exchanging one kind of behavior for another. So basically what they do when they when you go to boot camp in any branch of this military, they're changing your habits as a civilian, as thinking like a civilian, and they're replacing those with military thinking. Right? They're reconditioning your mind to think a different way. Right? Amen. If you go into the medical field, you go to medical school or you you go to nursing school to become a nurse, they are getting your mind conditioned to think like a nurse. Why? Why is that important? Because when you're on that ward, when you're in that hospital, you better be thinking like a nurse when some situation happens and you better know what you're doing. 
They need your mind to be sharp and focused so that you are not going, what do I do? So they, they emphasize these things to you in that training as a nurse or any other field, electrician, plumber, you name it. The whole point of it is they want you to be focused. And so that's what Jesus is telling his disciples really in all of that we read today. And he, he kind of brings it down. He kind of nails the nail into the wood here. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word seek is important because it's talking about our focus. You know, they were constantly asking him questions. What is? What do you mean? Because they're thinking in the natural. And he's giving them spiritual truths. And, and, and he knew they were going to ask these questions, so he took the time to tell them. Amen. How many are so glad that when somebody told you something and you were going, huh, that they came along and explained it? And you went, Oh, okay. I get it now. Amen. So, you know, these guys, they had families and homes and, and responsibilities, and they and he understood that. You know, the Bible says that he knows our form and our frame. He knows that we're flesh. He knows that we're going to think in the natural. He knows that. Amen. But he helps us. Amen. Just like he helped the disciples, he helps us. And so he said... He said there in verse 32, he said, take no thought. Don't focus your thoughts on things that I'm going to take care of. And, and all throughout this, this whole thing that we read, he was talking about how, how much light is in you and, and where is your treasure and, and all these things he was trying to get across to his disciples that I understand that you're going to think like this. I understand, but I'm trying to get you to think a different way. Amen? I'm trying to get you to understand that you're going to go to another level. Amen? And he said, take no thought. Don't be concerned or anxious about natural things. How hard is that to do in our, in our world? It's It's, it's hard. You know, we've got grandkids, we've got kids, we've got family, we've got other concerns and things to be concerned about. So it's it's not impossible, but it is hard. But God can help us with that. He said, I'm going to take care of those natural things. Once again, if we'll put his kingdom first, he's going to take care of all the other stuff. And so we have to find ourselves in a place where we completely trust him. Amen. We have missionaries in foreign fields that are national uh, workers that literally trust God for everything. They trust him for their next meal. They trust him for the clothes that they're going to wear. They literally trust him for everything because they don't have a, a nice big hospital that they can run to or a doctor that they can run to. They have to trust God for their healing. Amen. How many of us could really trust God for everything if God put us in that place? How many of us could do that? We, we might sit here and say, oh, yeah, I could do that. But until you get to that place where you have to trust God, it's one thing to say, yeah, I can do that. But it's a whole other thing to have to live that. 
And to know that everything you eat, everything that every bill that gets paid on your utilities or whatever, that God is providing that. And he was trying to get his disciples to understand that, that the kingdom of God has to be first and foremost in their life. And, and he said in all these other things, what, what other things was he talking about? All these things shall be added unto you. He wasn't talking about boats and planes and, and skis and, and golf clubs. And he wasn't talking about all that kind of temporal stuff. He was talking about all that stuff that he had just listed before that. I'm going to take care of making sure that if you'll follow me, I'll take, make sure that the light is shining. I'll make sure that you're taken care of. I'll make sure that you have everything you need. What did he tell him when he sent him out? Don't take any script. Don't take a wallet with money in it. Just trust me to take care of you. Wherever you go to minister, I'm going to put somebody there to feed you and to take care of you. Just like that lady that had that room for that prophet. God's going to take care of the man of God. Amen? He's going to take care of the people of God. He's going to take care of the things of God. He'll tell this guy over here to give an offering to this guy over here who... This guy over here doesn't know that this guy over here that he's given the offering to already promised that money to somebody else. And right? <laughs> and and no and we all we we kind of stand back and look at that and go, wow, but God's He's got this. He knows who to tell what to do to do the next thing, to do the next thing, to do the next thing. So he's gonna take care of us. He's gonna take care of his church. He's going to take care of the kids that need to go to camp. He's going to take care of the little things. If we'll just put his kingdom first. So he's telling us, don't worry or be anxious for these little things. But diligently seek my kingdom. And in that scripture in verse 32, it says, For the Gentiles or the heathen, they wish for and crave and diligently seek all these things. What's he saying? Those people that don't follow me, that don't trust me, they, they seek after these things. But your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of. And we believe that and we say amen to that. But really, do we believe it? Because it's hard in our society. Because we have a nice paycheck. And we have coals and we have them all and we have all this stuff and societies don't have some of this stuff that we have and we find it very easy to not trust God because we can, if I need something, I'll just go buy it, right? If I need another suit, I'll just go down to JCPenney and buy one, right? Or if I don't like the ties that are in my closet, I'll just go buy me a new one. And some people in some countries are thankful to have one ugly tie, <laughs> right? They're just thankful to have a tie and, a, and one dress shirt, Amen? We have a closet full. And I'm not, I'm not saying those are bad things. I'm glad that I live in this country that, of plenty. But I have to be, I have to, for my own personal self, I can't speak for anybody else, I have to be careful that I don't let myself get to the place where I start subconsciously thinking, well, I know I need God, but I got this. And, and if I need something, I'll let you know. Right? We got to be careful. Because why are we here? Why are we here in this place 
in this church, why did, why did we even bother to, to go to all the trouble of receiving the Holy Ghost and, and letting God find us and, and allowing ourselves to, to make that step to be a part of His kingdom if, if His kingdom's not first? Amen. We might as well just call this a club and take the church sign down. And just meet here a couple times a week, maybe have a fish fry or something, right? (laughs) Make it a VFW, right? (laughs) Might as well, because that's what it really amounts to. But that's not what we're here for. Amen. We're here for this city. We're here for his kingdom. We're here to see his kingdom increase. Amen. Now, I know the Bible says that, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. One, one uh, variation to that says, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as were being saved. So when I read that, I said, well, what do you mean, such as were being saved? Well, you know, we were just talking about the disciples. They, what did they do after the day of Pentecost? After 3,000 were added, they went about from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship and, and favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. Those that those people were teaching Bible studies to and ministering to and sharing the gospel with. Right? So that what does that say? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Right? He's trying to get his, his disciples to see the importance of pursuing him first and not the things that he provides. He said, don't worry about those things. Don't even think about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it. Put my kingdom first, and everything else is going to be taken care of. Amen? So the question I have for you is, are we putting his kingdom first? That's what you would call the application of all this teaching. You have to find yourself saying, am I putting his kingdom first? That's the challenge. We have to find ourselves because we're going to be judged. By our actions and by our words, not by him, not by not by the district superintendent. We're going to be stand before the judgment seat and he's going to pull out the books. The Bible says, what books are those? Those those books, these books. (laughs) Thou art without excuse, oh man. We had all we had the entire rule book in front of us. You know, ever try to put something together without reading the instructions, end up with a bunch of screws and stuff left over and think, well, let's put together. I'll just save these in case I need them. We don't we can't treat the Bible like that. Amen. What is this? What is the Bible? The word Bible stand for basic instructions before leaving earth. Now follow the instructions, right? So it's all about adjusting our motive. Or adjusting our focus. Right? And that's what he was trying to get his disciples to do. He was trying to prepare them for ministry. He was trying to prepare them for what was coming. Because he knew there was going to come a day where he was going to leave the scene. And leave them with his spirit to have to run things. And he knew they weren't going to do it right and perfect all the time. But he was going to give them enough information and enough training so that they could go so he could release them to go so that i, I in studying this i i kind of came across a very popular scripture for me and one that you may know and if i 
say 2 Timothy 2.15. Somebody in here could probably quote it, right? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I kind of keyed on that word study. And that word study actually means to strive, to reach for, speaks of concentration and focus. So it's really not, a, I mean, that is studying in the sense of books and studying and learning. But really what it's saying is strive to show that reach for speaks of being earnest or diligent. Be diligent about the things of the kingdom of God. It talks about accurately as, as a figure of speech that literally means something like cutting a straight road. And that's out of the, the New English Translation Bible full notes. In regard to the message of truth, it means correctly handling or imparting it without deviation. So it's really hard to cut a straight road or, dear farmer, a straight row without focusing on cutting a straight row. Because if you're not focused, you're just going to go everywhere, right? Try, try cutting your grass that way. Don't, don't focus on the row you're cutting. Just look all around. That, that mower's going to go wherever your eyes go. And you're going to have this little going down through there, right? That happened one day I was out here. <laughs> I got to looking off, and then when I looked back, I cut right down between. I was like, man, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> so you got to stay focused. My boss was teaching me. They, he had a class for everybody that wanted to be a part of it on how to terminate fiber optic cable. It was really cool. But it's a little tiny, I mean, it's tiny, it's like like a needle, that glass. And it's just as brittle as it can be. You have to be really careful with it. you got to stay focused when you're putting that little piece of glass in a little bitty hole where that little end is going to go and you crimp it and, and all this stuff. And you have to be focused. And there was people standing around, so I had to kind of like block them out. Because I watched them do it and they had watched them mess it up and have to recut that all over again. You know, so you got to stay focused, amen? When that lady's putting that needle in your arm to take blood, you want her to be focused. <laughs> Don't miss. <laughs> they call that a hematoma, right? <laughs> when all that blood goes all up under your skin and everything. Amen. You want them, don't don't distract them. Don't be talking to them while they're doing it. Just let them stick your arm, right? So the Lord wants us to be focused. That's what he was telling his disciples. Seek ye first. Make it your top priority. Make it your top focus. Don't focus on anything else. And once again, he was using flesh. So he had to kind of repeat himself over and over and over again. But do you think they got it? Anybody? Do you think they got it? No, but eventually they got it. How do we know that? Because here we are. Amen. Somewhere along the line, when Jesus stepped away from the scene, they said, okay, boys, we got to do this. Amen. There's even one place where in the book of Mark where Jesus, all the 11 guys that were left were all in this upper room. Now, I think they were there because they were scared. <laughs> they were all talking about, maybe we should just go back to our fishing boats. Because he was gone, right? And two of them, he had walked down the road with them and talked to them after his... After he'd been resurrected. And they didn't know it until right after he walked away. And they were like, wow, didn't our hearts burn within us? 
So they went and told the other guys who didn't believe them, right? So they're all sitting in this room, and in walks Jesus through the wall and says, and what does the Bible say? He upbraided them with their unbelief. I looked up that word upbraided. You know what it means? <laughs> it means he gave them a good tongue lashing. That same word upbraided is the same word that he used that is used in the Greek when he's in the temple, driving those guys out of the temple for selling the money changers in the temple. It's the same word. So he was giving them a good talking to, right? And then right after that, what does he say? In Mark 16, he says, go ye. All right, guys, what did he, what did he say? Guys, remember everything I've taught you. All of this that I've taught you, you've come to this point, and now you're going to sit in this room and hide? This is just my view of of what's happening. Because right after that, he says, now get out of this room and go do what I told you to do. Take all this training I've given you and use it. Trust me. Right? That's where, and that's really where it comes down to, is trusting what he, that everything he taught them is, you know, you know, I took instruction, verbal instruction on how to do that fiber, but then there came a point where I had to do it. I had to sit down there with all those tools and do it. That was the chat. I could sit there and watch everybody go, yeah, that's the way you do it. Yep, 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 I see that. But when you have to do it, it's totally different. Was I shaking a little bit? Did it look like I just had a cup of coffee? Yeah. But I did it. I did it. Amen. And so his disciples, were they nervous at first? They didn't know. They didn't know. It was brand new to them. They were launching something that had never been launched before. Think about that. The church. Amen. Did they make mistakes? Absolutely. Did they overcome their mistakes? Absolutely. Do we have a church today? Absolutely. Amen. Because somebody said, I'm going to stay focused. So you've been, you know, we've been living our lives. And we come into the church. This is where I'm going to kind of bring it home. And we come into the church and we don't just leave our lives behind. I mean, we do. But some of our old habits, some of our old ways, some of our old thinking, it takes a while. Does it not? Does it not? I mean, I didn't. Honestly, I, I can't say that when I when I received the Holy Ghost and when I was baptized in Jesus' name that all of a sudden all that bad stuff just disappeared. It didn't. It didn't. I, I wrestled with some stuff at first. But did I let that get me down? Mm-mm. I didn't. I kept going to church, kept listening to the preaching. Kept taking what, taking notes, kept applying that to my life, kept staying involved with outreach and ministry and all those things and cleaning the church. I kept staying involved and I kept sticking it, sticking in there with it, staying focused. And eventually I, it, I found it very easy to start laying things down one at a time. Amen? Because it was hard to lay some stuff down at first. Amen? But God helped me. God helped me. And he didn't expect his disciples to just walk away from fishing one day and suddenly the next day be this, you know, Paul the Apostle. 
He didn't expect that of them. And so he took the time for three, almost three and a half years to train them and teach them and minister to them and listen to their dumb questions over and over and over again and re-explain stuff to them because he knew, he already knew that they were going to be the ones. He else he wouldn't have chosen them, right? And he's chosen us, hasn't he? You know, there's that old song, he chose me, he chose me out of all the people in the world. You, you, he came looking for you. He wasn't lost. You were. I was. He found me. He gave me the opportunity. He gave those men, those fishermen, the opportunity to follow him, and they made the decision to follow him. They had the equal opportunity to make the decision not to follow him. There may have been others standing there that day that said, I'm, you can go, but I'm not, because this is more important to me than that. But to them, they were Jews. They, you know, the, the, they, they had been hearing about the Messiah, and here it was quite potentially the Messiah calling them away from their fishing nets, and they had to go. They had to go see. And so the Lord's going to call us away. And by and by, as we come to the house of God, as we hear the teaching of, of the Word of God, as we learn the things of God, as we begin to apply the Word of God to our life, as we begin to put His kingdom first and put all these other things behind us, we're going to find it easier and easier and easier to follow Him. Amen. Is it always going to be perfect? Probably not. In my case, I, I you know, to this day, I don't want to send the wrong message, but, you know, the devil is still the devil. and He's still the God of this world, and he's still out there. He's still going to come after us. He's still not going to let us just be who we are. He, he wants to, we're just like that deer in the woods or that bass in the, in the water. And the, the big bass that all the guys want to catch or the big 20-point the big buck that all the, the deer hunters want to get. The devil's still after us. He's going to make. He's in, he's bound and determined to get us to fall or fail or do something so that he can make us a trophy on his trophy wall. And so, the, all the more reason we need to stay focused on seeking his kingdom. And so, this this scripture wasn't just for the disciples of that day. It's for us today. Amen. The word of God is the same, right? Yesterday. Today, and since God doesn't operate in, on a time schedule like we do, when he said today, yesterday, today, and forever, he meant in their time era, in our era, and in the era to come. So it's not just a matter of making a mental acknowledgement of who he is. Oh, yeah, that, okay, Bible says that. Okay, that's good. I got it. It's not a matter of mental descent, mental ascent. It's a matter of taking what we've heard and applying it. And, you know, does, is it just me or does it seem like a lot of what we hear preaching, it seems like it's repetitive? Over? What? Pastor Parker will preach something and then somebody else will preach something at a camp or something and you'll think, you're sitting there going, well, he just preached that. But it's a little different from the other guy. And then you'll go somewhere else and you'll hear something and you'll say, he just preached that. Why is that? Because really, for me, I don't know if it's this way for you, but for me, preaching and teaching really is God just repeating himself 
to me like he did to the disciples. Stuff I already know. Amen. Right. Yeah. A little nugget of truth that says, oh. And you're going, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And we've been talking about, last month I think it was, about a new revelation. Amen. Do we know everything there is to know about the Bible? No. To the height, the depth, the length, the breadth, the width. Do we know it all? We don't. If we did, our minds would explode. Right? So he gives it to us in spoonfuls so that we can receive it and assimilate that that we've learned. And then he'll add some more once we get that. And then he'll add some more. And that's how he did the disciples. So by the time it was time for them to take charge, they were ready to go. Peter was ready, man. I mean, they had a, a rope tied to him. It's like, oh, 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 Jesus got to die first, buddy. Stay, oh, oh, you know, he was ready to go. Amen. We should have that same mentality. We got all this. What do we do with it? Just sit here and hold on to it? No. He gave them all of that so they could go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, right? So our goal through this whole lesson comes down to letter D. I almost said number D. D's not a number. D's a letter. His goal for us is to make the growth and furtherance of whose kingdom? His kingdom. Because, you know, we have our own kingdom. You do know that, right? And you got to be careful. Because you do have your own little kingdom. If you're not careful, you'll... You'll promote your own little kingdom and not his kingdom. Well, what's my own little kingdom? What I want to do. My way of doing stuff. The way I want to think. Right? How about if we just say, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to think? Where do you want me to go? What job do you want me to have? To the point where we're so sensitive to the Holy Ghost that like some people, you're just driving down the road and God just says, stop here. Go to that door. Does that happen? Of course it does. I know. I I know people that that's happened to and they ignored it. And they got a mile down the road and, and it was like God was screaming at them. I told you to go back. Now go back and go to that door. And they did. So how many wants God to, how many wants to get to that place where God's doing that? Where you're so sensitive to you're so focused on the kingdom of God that it doesn't even you know I mean there's not even a hesitation when you hear when you know that's God's voice you do it. That's when God's opening doors and making opportunities for us to to be a a light to this lost world. So his goal for us through this lesson is to make the growth and furtherance of his kingdom our number 1 priority i'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and make a commitment but i'm asking you to make a commitment and to go and search yourself i know god's been dealing with me through this lesson i've had to search myself and make sure that i'm haven't allowed myself to get off track get off path and keep his kingdom first and foremost in my life because look at what he did for us 
What did he do for us? He saved us. He delivered us. He brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. He dug us up out of the miry clay, set our feet on a rock to stay. Why? So we can sit on that? No. We are his servants. Amen. What does Acts 1 and 8 say? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. That word witnesses. Oh, that's a tough word if you'd study that. I'm not going to tell you what it means. I want you to go study what that word witnesses means. It'll blow your mind. But that's what he's asking of us. Is anything that God asks us to do too hard? Really? Is it too hard? If God just asks us to sell our house and pack up our stuff and move to another state. Is that too hard? Or to another country? Or the other side of the state? Or if God asks us to do anything, is it really too hard for for us to have to do that? Not if we're seeking first his kingdom. Not, you know, whatever it is he's asking us to do. And that should be our attitude. God, whatever. Whatever you want. I'm yours. I belong to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. Seek first his kingdom. Father, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today for ministering in this place. We ask that you would have your way, Lord, in our lives, in our mind, in our spirit. Continue in this service to minister. Lord, speak to us through the man of God uh, in the second part of this service. Lord, have our hearts and minds to be ready to receive your word from him today. In Jesus' name, amen.